welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here today. I hope you're doing well. I am doing pretty well. I think my voice is affected by a little bit of a cold. I had intended to record new intros and outros today for Cunningham Financial Group, but at least to my ear, it sounds like I have a balloon in my throat, so I'm not going to do that today. But I do want to give the episode a go, and let me start with this. I love great titles. I don't often come up with great titles, but when I run across them or hear them, I write them down somewhere and make sure to share them with you as soon as I can. And for me, hugging the cactus fits perfectly on that list. Whatever it means, and we'll certainly explore that today, you can like feel yourself doing it when you say it. And kind of like eat that frog, I hope it becomes a familiar term to you to trigger the kind of behavior that will help you solve some of your deepest and most long-term problems. And maybe that's a common thread that made me think of eat that frog, Both of those phrases are about dealing with issues in your life. And while eat that frog is just something you do early every day to knock a little thing out, hugging the cactus may be a little bit more intense and intensive. But I guarantee you that it beats that easy road outcome of avoiding it or ignoring it, which usually just makes things worse. Okay, let me give you some setting for this and tell you exactly where I first heard the statement. At an award ceremony in 2011, Robert Downey Jr. was giving an acceptance speech. Now, when I say his name, you may think of Iron Man, and he was famous for that character by then. The first movie was released, I think, in 2008. And, of course, he's an enormous Hollywood star now. Everybody loves him and wants him to work for them. But Robert Downey Jr. went through a very dark period in his life in the late 1990s and into the early 2000s. He was considered unhirable by all of Hollywood, He was heavily steeped in hard drug usage and alcohol abuse. Something changed along the way, and he gave up drugs for good in 2003 and curbed his alcohol usage. And so, as he gives this short speech in 2011, everything is good again, and by his standards, at least, his life is all put back together. Now, before I read a few lines from the speech, you should also know that behind him, over his left shoulder, is another famous actor named Mel Gibson. Back in those late 90s years, everybody loved Mel Gibson. But during that same period where Robert Downey Jr. was putting his life back together, his longtime friend Mel Gibson's life was falling apart. And so by 2011, when this speech was given, the tables had completely turned. Everybody loved Robert Downey Jr., but no one would hire Mel Gibson. So in some ways, the speech was simply designed to get Hollywood to forgive his older friend who had been so kind to him. So let me read some of that to you, and you'll hear the cactus line, and then we'll talk about how several aspects of this can be very important for us. Robert Downey Jr. says this, When I couldn't get sober, he told me not to give up hope, and he urged me to find my faith. It didn't have to be his faith or anyone else's as long as it was rooted in forgiveness. And I couldn't get hired 
so he cast me as the lead in a movie that was actually developed for him. He kept a roof over my head, and he kept food on the table. And most importantly, he said if I accepted responsibility for my wrongdoings, and if I embraced that part of my soul that was ugly, hugging the cactus, he calls it, he said that if I hugged the cactus long enough, I'd become a man of some humility, and that my life would take on a new meaning. And I did, and it worked. All he asked in return was that someday I help the next guy in some small way. It's reasonable to assume that at the time he didn't imagine that the next guy would be him and that someday was tonight. So anyway, on this special occasion, I humbly ask that you join me, unless you are completely without sin, in forgiving my friend his trespasses, offering him the same clean slate you have me, and allowing him to continue his great and ongoing contribution to our collective art without shame. He's hugged the cactus long enough. Now, admittedly, I omitted one line from that speech that had a bit of colorful language in it, which I'm mentioning to you because I think it only amplifies the point. The man who spoke those words would not even call himself a Christian, and I'm not claiming you emulate the character of either one of these men, but there's so much here that just speaks to the way God designed humanity to work. Simple things like sometimes you need someone to stand up for you, The road to tackling your demons or hugging the cactus or making the change is very difficult, and you need someone in your life who will not only help you and support you, but also challenge you to do what needs to be done. That, of course, is a terrifically biblical idea about friendship, fellowship, and brotherhood. On the back end of the speech, he just talks about forgiveness. Robert Downey Jr. made real changes in his life. He's held to many of those changes. He did some super heinous stuff, but over time, people saw a changed man, and so he became, you know, super famous again. He's challenging the people around him to extend that same form of forgiveness to another man that it's his turn to stand up for. And just to bear that out 12 years later, I think a lot of that has happened. Mel Gibson directed a movie called Hacksaw Ridge about seven years ago. Everybody loved it, and I think things have gone better for him. And maybe I'll get some time at the end of the episode to talk to you about the two elements I just mentioned. One, having good friends who stand up for you and challenge you. And two, hoping that the people around you see the results of that and have a tender heart. But it's really the cactus stuff that's drawing our attention today. Because, I mean, in the end, you can't make a friend be a great friend. And you cannot make someone around you forgive you. You can extend those two courtesies to others, and that's worth talking about. But I think I want to keep the focus on your personal problems today. Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson had serious personal problems. No doubt there were plenty of people to blame along the way, but it wasn't until he was told that he needed to accept responsibility for his wrongdoings and embrace the part of his soul that was ugly, hugging that cactus. It wasn't until then that he became a man of humility, and his life took on new meaning. Again, it's just so interesting listening to that speech, thinking, none of this is happening in the name of Jesus. And yet, those of us who live in the name of Jesus need to be embracing these very same ideas. And I don't just mean the first two things, about having good friends or forgiving others. I'm talking about the way that you sincerely and honestly assess what problem exists in you, 
that thing that is not the fault of anyone else, nor the responsibility of anyone else, that core fundamental thing that you've been walking past every day, hoping that it went away, but needing to realize in the name of repentance that what you're going to have to do is turn to it, look at it directly, call it what it is, and do the painful thing. Interact with it. Wrestle with it. Challenge it until you have significantly weakened it and you can remove it from your life. I got this mental picture of a flower garden or something with this ugly, deformed cactus right in the middle of it. Even if it's one of those cacti that occasionally brings about a flower, it clearly doesn't belong. Somebody walks by your garden and says, that's a really interesting cactus you got there. What's it doing there? And you might say any number of things like, I don't see a cactus. Or it's just one cactus. Don't you see all the flowers? Or it's a pretty little cactus compared to others. Or maybe it only occasionally is as prominent as it is today. You may make excuses like there's really just no way to get rid of it or every garden has a cactus in it. Anything and everything to avoid the most difficult thing. And in this mental picture that I have, I see myself being asked by God to tend this garden with whatever he puts in it. And there's this cactus that has grown right there in the middle. And yet I'm asked to tend this thing with my hands. And so the only way to remove it is to grab a hold of that thing. And it'll be super painful. And I may have to twist it and wrestle with it. And it just seems like every other option on the table is easier than that one. But in the end, if it doesn't belong, I'm going to have to give it the emphasis and the attention that it demands. And that is the basic definition of hugging the cactus. Identifying that which is hard, but that which is also the culprit of a lot of your other problems. Grabbing a hold of that thing tightly giving it your full attention, which can be embarrassing, painful, or just hard. And it may not come out right away. You may have to wrestle with this thing for days, weeks, months, or years. And yet you constantly forfeit the road that most people take where you say, look, I'll just wait for that thing to get weaker. Or maybe it's not so bad after all. Now, as a Christian, I believe we have the power of God working on our behalf. I believe the Holy Spirit is an asset, and the power of Christ can be in you. But it's still the power of Christ working in your hands. Although, of course, in a greater spiritual sense of removing sin from our lives, he did exactly that for all of us. But in terms of your daily life and the way you're living it, he will give you the power, the wisdom, and the help. But the only person that can hug your cactus is you. Now, as we get to the back half of this episode and we start working on application, I want you to try and avoid the temptation to look into the garden of your life and see cacti, five or 10 or 20 of them, a limitless number of them in you that it isn't even really worth working because you'll never get to them all. Not because I want you to take one at a time, but I believe there are a lot fewer of them in us that serve as our core problems than we think that there are. And sometimes this mirage of 20 problems will get you chasing them all over when beneath them there's really one central thing that the devil doesn't want you to find. Let me illustrate this for you in a way that's not particularly related to sin. I've been wanting to share this idea with you for quite some time and haven't found the episode in which to do it, but I think the connection will work here. 
Sometimes we have a list of a handful of problems that need to be solved, things that need to change. Maybe it's the new year, and I come up with four things. I need to walk more, eat less, pray more, and stare at my cell phone less. I think I picked four things that probably are always somewhere in the picture for most of us. But it can seem impossible or overwhelming maybe to try and do all four of those things. So sometimes I start the new year and think I'm just going to focus on one. So it's kind of like hugging that one cactus and ignoring the others. But I've noticed that unless I can make that thing into a habit, which rarely comes about, I am not successful in just doing one of those things. I have found it much more successful to try and do them all. And you might think, no, that, that's not right. I mean, it's overwhelming to try to do them all. But sometimes New Year's comes around and I identify the actual cactus in the garden. I am not taking responsibility for personal self-discipline. Now that's the cactus. That's the thing I don't really want to talk about and I'd like to make excuses for or compare myself to others to avoid. But that's the reason that I'm not going on the walks. That's the reason that all the Cheez-Its are gone. That's the reason I'm not praying in the middle of the day. And that's the reason I'm staring at my cell phone at dinner. When I announce that, turn my attention to that, my simple lack of self-discipline and taking pride in the life that I'm building, I end up doing better at all four of those things. Now, I'll admit, I've not really thought of it in this way. I just kind of thought of it as if I implement self-discipline across the board, I'll do better than deciding, hey, I think I'll be disciplined here and not disciplined there. But I get it now. The reason why seeking to do all of those things at once works while seeking to pick and choose doesn't is that I'm actually changing myself, addressing an internal scope issue instead of just doing better at one external thing to make me feel better about myself. And of course, if I'm just trying to change one external thing or external person or external environment, I will very often fail because usually, and Satan doesn't want me to see this, the core cactus or problem in those environments is something inside of me. I'm the person that's common to all of those places and things. And I think this is probably what happened with Robert Downey Jr. and others. I don't think the cactus was the alcohol or the drugs. It was something in him, something deep and dark that kept going to those things. Something he tried to ignore or downplay or blame on others. But something he found a way to stare right at, walk up to, and grab a hold of, no matter how painful that it was, until he had gotten it under his control and removed it from his life. By the way, interesting aside, if you read articles on hugging the cactus, you'll find a lot of advice is to stop doing that. And it has to do with letting go of painful memories and grief or relationships that can't be repaired. And yeah, there are things that hurt in your life that are scars in your life that you can't do anything about, namely things in your past or the behavior of others. But let's save that discussion for another time. I'm talking about what is there. Are you ready to be honest about this? I know you may be a great person, and it may be much easier to blame what's going on in your home or church or workplace or wherever you are on someone else, and they may have more massive cacti than anyone has ever had. But I know myself, 
and I know what God said about people like you and me, and I know what he has challenged each one of us to do with regard to ourselves. And so I'm challenging you to do the same thing that's in that speech. Identify that cactus and hug it long enough until you learn a measure of powerful humility, in our case, great trust in God, and a leaning on his strength, and until your life takes on a new meaning that is not defined by what you've allowed to grow that does not belong. Instead, a life that is defined by the decision that you made to address it and rejuvenated in hope by the life you now get to live because it has been removed. So here are a couple of things to consider before we go. First, you've got to identify what in the world the cactus is. And what I'm trying to get you to see is you need to think more categorically, more fundamentally than too specifically. Like in the example I gave earlier, the problem isn't that I don't want to walk or I love my cell phone. The problem is I have not embraced that part of me that is lazy and undisciplined. I have not wrestled with that complacency in me so as to bring it under control. And so a good place to start might be with the antithesis of the nine fruit of the Spirit. For instance, one of them is self-control, and it was the opposite of that that was truly growing inside of me and needed to be addressed. When you think of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, If your garden just had those nine plants growing in it, they would affect countless other things. So what might your cactus look like? Well, it may be a lack of love. It may be a lack of joy. It may be a lack of hope or peace or patience or kindness. It may be deep-held adverse emotions to things like being gentle or good or living by faith or exerting self-control. We like to focus on the symptoms of problems instead of the actual problem. We like to treat the cough instead of finding out what's the cause. Once you do that, you'll have a little sense of relief and hope. You'll say, if I can address that thing, my marriage will get better. I've been blaming the marriage this whole time. I've been blaming the job. I've even blamed God some, but I think it's actually this thing. Man, this is going to be hard, which is an important thing to say because if it's hard, and you know it's there, it's probably exactly where you need to be putting your attention. So what do you do? You pray to God, but you pray very specifically. You make small, daily commitments to God that have to do with you directly embracing that problem. You plead with Him to help you do hard things. You find a support system, someone who will help you, but also keep challenging you to stay focused on those hard things. And look, I don't have to pray that God will bless you and forgive you if you do this, because I know that he will. And I don't think I even have to pray that you will feel intensely engaged and optimistic and satisfied, that you are finally getting to the root of a whole series of problems. But I will pray that the people in your life will see it, that just like an entire industry embraced two men who made the worst kinds of mistakes— I do pray that your family and your fellow believers and the people that you know recognize this same process is needed in their lives. Maybe they'll even realize how others have embraced them when they took responsibility for their lives. I hope you were one of those people for them, and now I pray that they will be for you. But please don't forget, 
you can't control what other people do. Many times, their good behavior will be the outcome of your own. Robert Downey Jr. said of that advice that he was given, I did, and it worked. It has for me, and I believe it will for you, too. But sometimes the best thing you can do in your own life is also the hardest. Call upon the power of God, sum up the courage, and commence hugging the cactus. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.